The gospel for last Sunday and today give a series of parables about the kingdom of God. The weeds and the wheat, the mustard seed, the yeast uh, last weekend, and this Sunday the buried treasure, the pearl of great price, and the dragnet. All these parables, in one way or the other, proclaim the nowness, the presence of the kingdom of God. The Lord Jesus is saying that God's reign over Israel has arrived in the most unexpected of ways. And the point is that no one could have predicted that the kingdom for which Israel had been hoping and praying for over a thousand years would arrive in the form of an itinerant Galilean Jew from a town so insignificant, so small, that the zip code was a fraction. This hidden identity of Jesus is only fully revealed on Good Friday. And as it happens, the word hidden or mysterious is the key theme that unites many of the parables together, at least from this Sunday and last. The word itself appears hidden, that is, the word itself appears in the parable of the treasure. St. Matthew uses the participial form of the Greek verb kryptain. It doesn't sound familiar to our ears, why should it? It's Greek. But its origin it lies in a couple of English words we all recognize if you ever read anything about the NSA, for example, cryptic and encrypted or encrypt, meaning to hidden, mysterious, or concealed. It's a word that Matthew uses in last week's parable of the leaven, which the woman encryptsoman hid in three measures of flour. And since Matthew is a careful wordsmith, uh, it suggests that the way to understand this Sunday's parable might be found in that simple domestic scene of a woman making bread for her family. Well, in, perhaps even in the neighborhood, because we'll find out three measures of flour is a lot of flour. Just after the beginning of the new millennium, about 2001, I bought a copy of Nancy Silverton's book, Breads from La Brea Bakery. Um, the title says it all. It's a book, how to make bread, pumpkin bread, chocolate sour cherry bread, walnut bread, Normandy rye, red pepper scallion bread, whole wheat and country white, and a dozen other types, not to mention pancakes and pretzels, all from sourdough starter. Sourdough bread is not the same bread that your Hamilton Beach programmable two-pound bread maker with gluten-free setting machine can turn out in your kitchen in an hour. Nancy Silverton's bread takes two days to mix, knead, ferment, and then bake. It produces bread you can sink your teeth into, and it stands up to anything you put on it. Some of our guests complain that the bread is not only strong enough to stink, sink your teeth into, but sometimes leaves their teeth stuck in it. It begins not with a, with a package of Fleischmann's instant yeast, but with homemade sourdough starter. Following her recipe, I bought organic grapes and soaked them in a mixture of water and flour, and about two weeks later, I had a culture, a sourdough culture, a starter, made from the wild yeast found on the skin of grapes. It's the same stuff that turns grape juice into wine. 
I haven't counted them, so you'll have to take my word for it, but every tablespoon of starter contains about 50 million yeast cells that eat the flour and do three things. It produces gases, water, and alcohol. The gas makes the dough rise, the water keeps the dough moist, and the alcohol gives the sourdough bread its distinctive sourdough taste. That starter, fed and watered three times a day, like your pet schnauzer, will celebrate its 16th birthday next month in September. It's old enough to be a sophomore in high school. But it's too busy working away in our kitchen, uh, quietly turning out our daily bread. Last week's parable describes how a woman added, Matthew really says hide, sourdough in three measures of flour, as I've said. This is the same recipe apropos of nothing at all, it's the same recipe that Sarah uses to make bread for the three mysterious visitors in Genesis 18, and the same recipe for the showbread that is set out in the temple of Jerusalem, the bread that David and his men ate when they were running away from Saul. Three measures of flour is nine gallons, enough to make 300 loaves of bread. The living organisms in the leaven grow overnight so that by morning the whole batch of dough has mysteriously risen. Well, the action of the yeast working in this mysterious and hidden way connects it to the parables in this Sunday's Gospel. It, a treasure hidden in a field, a pearl of rare beauty, a fishing net lowered into the murky depths of the sea that brings in all kinds of fish. Taken together, these parables hint at the nature of our redemption, the secret hidden plan to reestablish God's rule in a world derailed in Genesis 3. The mystery of our salvation, it's hidden unfolding through the history of Israel in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And it doesn't stop there because it's also its extension is found down through time in the church and her sacraments. In, in, in what the parable of the treasure, the pearl and the net says it is, something worth giving anything you have to enjoy possessing.